Good morning. It's good to see those of you who are uh, in the building. And while I can't see you, uh, hello to those of you who are watching uh, online as well. For those Over these last weeks, we've thought a little bit about uh, spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit and what Holy Spirit does. And in conversation this week, I was um, thinking about coming to church and what we do to prepare to come to church or even just to watch online. I know when I'm watching online, my preparation tends to be, um, you know, putting on some maybe older, comfortable clothes and having coffee. Do you know? But what would it be if actually during the week we spent time with God saying, when we get to Sunday, when we get to be together, when we get to worship, will you speak to us? Will you lead us and will you guide us? Will you help us to know where you're leading and what you want us to do? And during this week, will you take us to the people that we're supposed to engage with? Because worship and being together is not just about what we get. It also has to involve what we give. And and in preparation for being together. And so this week, even today during this service, will you join with me in saying, Lord, what is it you want to say? And even as we are together in the speaking or the humming along, because we can't sing, but in the words of those hymns, in the praying, just ask that God will speak to each of us gathered today. Because the thing is that God knows us. He knows what we need. He knows where we are. He knows that we're all different. He knows that we all, you know, we're, we're not in the same place. But God can speak into each of our circumstances. Our first hymn is kind of a, a reminder of that, that Holy Spirit goes where he will and does what he wants to do. It's wind of God. And if we are in the building, we're going to stand together and be along with the music.
Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for your greatness, for your power and your glory. We thank you for your creation. And every time we look at our world, it speaks to us of your sovereign will, your awesome power and your creative love. How can we look at the hills and the mountains, the valleys, the rivers, the oceans and the seas, the birds, the animals, the fish, and and not be moved to worship you? We find it impossible to see color, shape, the beauty of flowers and fruit, or to hold a tiny baby, to look into the face of someone that we love and not give you praise. Father, you sent your son Jesus, for you knew that it was only when we had experienced your love to us in him that we would look at your creation through the eyes of faith and give you the glory you deserve. Father, we've seen your love in the face of Christ, and we've come to worship you with the whole of our lives. We praise you for who you are, the God of all creation, and the Father of all who put their trust in Jesus. We worship you, for through him you are making our lives new, clean, whole, and full of life that is real. We praise you for the coming of Holy Spirit, and for the fruit that his presence in our lives is beginning to bear. You speak in creation. You speak in your word. You speak to us through other people and our circumstances. And we ask that you would speak to us today as we worship. May we be receptive to the moving and prompting of your spirit. We want to be like those sheep who hear your voice and recognize it and follow We recognize it was a desire to know more, to understand not just the practicalities, but the realities of relationship with you that caused the disciples to ask Jesus to teach them to pray. We, like them, long to know you better, long to deepen our relationship with you, long to hear your voice. And so, as we say together the prayer that Jesus taught, would you open our hearts and minds to your prompting? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now we have uh, our Bible reading from Verna. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to back from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at a temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Over these last few weeks, as I said, we've been looking at um, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we focus for a time um, on uh, 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, and then into Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 speaks uh, about what are known as ministry gifts, as opposed to spiritual gifts mentioned in Corinthians. Of course, they're all spiritual gifts because they're all from God. But Ephesians has a particular emphasis. And there you see where it says, Ephesians 4, 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Note that he gives apostles, not apostleship. He gives evangelists, not evangelism. Those who have these gifts from God are, in a sense, themselves the gift. And they're expected to minister to other people, to build them up, to encourage them, to promote growth in the church and in the wider community. So in the ministry gifts, the person is the gift, whereas with spiritual gifts, the person has the gift. It's a slight but a subtle difference. Individuals with ministry gifts will center their lives on using those gifts that God has given them, and it becomes their life work. And that's why it's important to get it right. And that's why for years, when we've been having an emphasis in the church in the West on pastors and teachers, we've actually missed out so much on the other gifts that God has. And we need to try and get that back into balance. On the other hand, the gifts that are listed in Corinthians are often brief, dramatic, brilliant, arresting manifestations that happened and are done. For example, a prophetic utterance may last just a few moments, but it's complete. It's done. Or someone receives a revelation that directs them to do something that couldn't have been known by any other means. It's not an ongoing thing. It happens and it's done. Ministry gifts can't be separated from the character of the individual because the nature of the gifting is that they are in part the gift. However, with spiritual gifts, character is not necessarily involved and you would think it should be. But it's not always. For example, if a person is lazy and irresponsible before receiving a spiritual gift, they might be just as lazy and irresponsible after they've used it. In Ephesians chapter 4, 11, Paul writes that some were given to be prophets. And in 1 Corinthians 14, he says all believers can exercise the gift of prophecy. But he never says that we are all prophets. And I want to be clear, really clear, that I'm not saying ministry gifts are better. Rather, I'm trying to point out the different ways that Holy Spirit operates in relation to gifts. So over the next three weeks, actually, we're going to have a, a focus again on the, the nine gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians um, 12 to 14, divided into three groups under three headings. 
See, my brethren roots come out again. Three point sermons. Can I get away from them? Three headings, three groups. The first, power gifts, and then uh, revelation gifts and vocal gifts. The power gifts are faith, gifts of healing, and working of miracles. And we're going to look at them briefly today. Next week, it will be revelation gifts which are uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning spirits. And then in two weeks, it's vocal gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. In part, the reason for splitting them in this way is quite simply that it works. It kind of makes sense. Uh, But it's not the only way to look at them, obviously, but it just kind of works. Power gifts then get things done. They are often dramatic and, and capture people's attention. Revelation gifts convey messages from God that we can't receive in other ways. And vocal gifts are called that because they require a human voice. Somebody has to speak in order for them to be useful. So thinking about power gifts and starting with faith, I would suggest that there are different kinds of faith, or at least different meanings, understandings of the word faith. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That is the faith that you receive when somebody tells you about Jesus. As you open your heart and receive that word, it produces faith within you. It's the faith that's necessary for somebody to be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say, For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The grace of God that brings salvation comes to us through faith. But even that faith comes from God as a gift. The second kind of faith is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we see in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All nine of these are a mark of character. So each of us, as God's people, should be developing each of these Again, we don't get to pick. I would like to be much more patient. Well, actually, that's a really bad thing to say to God. Because let me tell you, during the week, you're going to be met with the most obnoxious person you've ever met in your life. Because that's how you learn to be patient. <laughs> Do you know? But, but we don't just get to pick one. You know, I, I want to be more peaceful. Well, well, that's great. But actually, they are all fruit. And we're meant to be developing and growing in all of them. It's a matter of character. But faith is in there. It's translated faithfulness here. But it's about that continuing, quiet trust and dependence on God. And it's about you being dependable and faithful. It's not something that just happens. It comes through experience and it needs to be nurtured. It comes through taking steps of faith. The more steps of faith we take, the more faith grows. The third kind of faith we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And Paul is listing a whole lot of gifts, and he says, To another faith by the same Spirit. 
This is not, you know, human faith. It's not faith that is cultivated or grown. It's, it's a divine faith that comes directly from Holy Spirit. It's a faith that comes instantly, supernaturally, as a gift directly from God by Holy Spirit. So examples of that might, for example, be Elijah in First Kings chapter 17. And it says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab the king, as the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Well, that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? I mean, how many of us are going to go out onto Princess Street and go, hey, Nicola, there's going to be no rain. You might, but people would think you are slightly odd. Just, just putting that out there. So what on earth has caused this man, Elijah, to go to the king and say, no rain until I tell you. No rain until I say so. Well, it doesn't tell us directly. But if it's not supernatural faith from God, I don't know what it is. Because for the next three and a half years, there was no rain. And there was no dew. And then, there was this... uh, incident where Elijah was so incensed, so burdened for the people that he called the prophets of Baal and they went up the mountain and they built their altars. They built one and he built one. And he said, we're going to prove whose God is real. Now, if that's not, if that's not faith directly from God again, do you know? And, and then he said, you go first. On you go. So the prophets of Baal, hundreds of them, started to chant and get organized, ready and pray, and they were shouting. And I mean, it got to the point where Elijah was mocking them. Um, is he sleeping? Do, do you think maybe he's gone on holiday? Is he deaf? Can he not hear you? You'll need to shout louder. And nothing happened. And then when it came to Elijah's turn, he prepared the altar and he prepared the sacrifice and he said to them, get me water. Now there's been no water, there's been no rain for three and a half years and he says, bring me water. Now where they got it from, I have no idea, but they brought water and he had dug a trench around the altar And they poured so much water on it that the trench was full. And then he simply spoke to God and said, show them that you're God. And the altar and the sacrifice and everything, the water and everything was burnt up by God. That's faith that comes directly, supernaturally from God. Joshua, when fighting the Amorites, obviously wasn't Scottish, or maybe he was. He told the sun to stop in the sky. Maybe it was a taps after, right enough. Stop! Don't be moving, he says to the sun. Now, 
I don't know about you, I've never done that. I mean, he had a reason. They needed more time to defeat their enemy. But where do you get that idea that you can just say to the sun, stop where you are in the sky, if it's not from God? Because the sun stopped. What about Jesus? Calming the storm with a word. Raising a dead boy, raising Jairus' daughter, raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. These are examples of this kind of faith that God gives. Much of what I've already said applies to the gifts of healing and miracles. They're they're not under the control of the individual, but under God's control. God decides who and where and when. For example, I don't believe that you can just go around healing people at will anywhere and at any time. Otherwise, there'd be no need for a health service. Because we would just go and everybody would be better. But it doesn't work that way. In John chapter 5, there's the story of a man lying at uh, the pool at Bethesda. And, and, and Jesus approached him and asked him if he wanted to be made well. Well, that's why he was there, wasn't it? Do you know what a kind of stupid question that seems to be? Do you want to be made well? He received the affirmative response and he healed the man. And then acknowledging, I suppose then we need to acknowledge that um, you, you, you need um, to say, I actually want to be made well. I want to be better. I want to be healed. Um, that, that's part of the process. But, but there were loads of sick people around that pool. But only one of them that day was healed. Later on, when Jesus was questioned about why that was and, and, and what had happened, he says in John chapter 5, verse 19, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. In other words, Jesus couldn't go out and do anything in his own will and his own effort unless it was revealed to him by the Father. Even Jesus couldn't do that. Likewise, we must be directed by God in all of these matters. And in our reading today, we have another it's very similar example. How many times had Peter and John gone to the temple? How many times had they seen this man lying there at the door begging and looking for money? And in the midst of all of the noise, the hustle and the bustle, the people coming and going, the toing and throwing, all of the stuff that was going on, it would have been easy to walk by. And we don't know how many times they and the other disciples had walked by. Sadly, I suspect many of us know that feeling. We see the same people outside the same shops begging for change. This man relied on people to get him there because he had been unable to walk and had been that way since birth. So why why is this day different? What happened in Peter and John on this day? Well, I believe that Holy Spirit allowed them to see this man differently on that day. They were given the gift of faith, divine supernatural faith, that this was a different new day for that man. 
The man asked for money, but you can't give what you don't have. Peter and John didn't have money, but they had something much better. They gave what they could by faith. This story shows the link between these gifts. It took faith more than it had before. It involves the gift of healing, and it is a miracle. It's all three in one. Notice that it's as he stood up that he was healed. People rarely receive anything by just sitting passively. You need to do something to exercise faith. James chapter 2 verse 20 says, Are you so slow? Do you need to be shown that faith without actions has no value at all? Or the older translations say, Faith without works is dead. Challenge for us in some ways is that we are not used to seeing supernatural faith or healing or miracles. It's not part of our church culture, but it's, it's biblical. And there's a disconnect between what the Bible says and what we do. We've just had the General Assembly and it was agreed to reduce the number of ministers of word and sacrament to 600 And that's because there's no money for more than that. We know that we have to lose uh, ministries in Edinburgh, uh, somewhere around 40. And all over Scotland, it's the same. If we want to reverse that decline, if we want to see God at work, and we say we believe his word, then I think we need to start to take these things seriously. Start calling on God to help us, to look for things that will build our faith and help us to become more attuned to his voice. Even in the midst of all the things of life and all the hustle and bustle, it's possible to hear God speak. And as we go about our business during the week away from this building and away from this place, he still speaks, he leads and he guides and he'll take us to the people that, that we're supposed to engage with and encounter and he'll give us what we need to do his work. We are in a battle and we need all the help we can get. The good news is God has given us everything we need to serve him, to honor him, to love him. He even gives us faith. Let's go and do it. Not just talk about it. Not just read about it. But put his word into practice in our lives. Amen. And then John is going to lead us in our prayers for others. One verse that has really stuck in my mind this week is something Paul says in Romans, eh, near the end of the letter, talking to the Christians in Rome. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't pray that they'll be filled with joy and peace so that they can do successful evangelism, nor that they will show you the love of God, but they will be filled with, indeed overfilled with hope. 
And hope did feel like a thing we need to ask the Holy Spirit to pour out on us in present circumstances. So thinking about that, let us pray. Father, we hear the message in the Psalms that you delight in those who put their hope in your unfailing love. And in hope and trust, we bring our prayers for others to you now. We thank you for the ceasefire between Israelis and Palestinians. We pray that that will hold and allow for a firmer grounding of peace to be established, one that allows a just division of land and resources and can begin to build relationships and a permanent end to bloodshed. We draw hope from the conflicts, some long drawn out and deep, that have been ended in peace agreements and in reconciliation. Give encouragement, strength and influence to the peacemakers and frustrate those who would stir up hatred. In a week where it's looked as though dictators can act with impunity, we pray for governments as they seek to respond effectively when international laws and norms are broken. We've seen imprisonment and assassination of political opponents and repression of minority groups in many places, but thinking especially of Myanmar and China. Help our politicians to take a stand, even when there's economic and political cost to pursuing what is right. Again, we take hope from the fact that so many who've set themselves up as dictators have, over time, lost power and been called to account. And we trust in the knowledge that all things and all people will finally be judged before you. Father, closer to home, we pray about the actions that will follow on from the General Assembly that ended this week, for the reduction in the number of ministers in the Church of Scotland and the restructuring that will need to take place. We pray for the Presbytery of Edinburgh as it begins to think about the shape of our denomination in this city, for the group of congregations of which we are a part, and for guidance to our approach here that we will be attuned to what the Holy Spirit is saying. We particularly pray for the Kirk Session Conference here in a fortnight. We take hope from the image in Scripture of new shoots growing from a vine that's been cut back, and remembering that often revival has come from what seemed to be a time of deadness. As we were praying last week, may your Holy Spirit fall on us and revive. And finally, we pray about the return to a less restrictive way of life now that the vaccine rollout and lockdown have reduced the incidence of COVID. We thank you that we are able to meet in larger numbers here and that Sunday's clubs for the children are possible again. We pray for the groups meeting in the halls just now, for the leaders and Stephanie, as they see in person the children they have for so long only been able to meet virtually. May this be a weekly event that the kids enjoy. We pray for a good atmosphere, for the building of relationships, so that going to share together, to hear and experience the Christian faith, becomes once more a regular part of routine for our children. More widely as lockdown ends, we see the hopeful signs that people do not want the new normal to be the same as pre-pandemic life. 
we pray that this will allow a focus in society that gets beyond materialistic considerations, that looks to a fairer, more just society, one that is more sustainable as a way of life, and one that looks to a wider meaning that can be found in you. Help us to tune into those signs of hope, the shoots of new life, and to be aware and guided in our response by the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go now in the power of the Spirit to bring glory to God and hope to our neighbour and the love of Christ into every part of our lives. Amen.